I really don't know if I should have anything to say after all of that. What a marvelous, marvelous morning so far. Wow. Let's see how I can ruin it, right? Okay. <laughs> Any cat lovers here? Okay, so let's see here. Yeah, there's even applause. What, what, what do you do to get that cat's attention? Right? You get, you get that laser level out, right? Or that level out and you start, you start going around and you watch that cat, right? And it finds that little red dot. And what does it do? It attacks it, doesn't it? You put that dot and it attacks it. And then you let go and it looks around. Where did it go? What, what, what happened to that dot? And you, it's somewhere else. How, how many of you ever put it on the ceiling to see, you know, will they jump? They will, won't they? They'll, they'll, they'll try. They'll do whatever they need to to be able to attack that dot. What is it about the dot that is so amazing to them? What is it that gives them that focus on that dot that we have to do that? We have to go after that. That thing is, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do in this moment. They could be playing with their, with their whatever, and you put that dot out, and whoosh, they run right at it. It draws their attention, right? It's like they have a a laser focus on something. That has my attention. That's got me here and now. That's what I need to be pouncing on. Now, some of you know the, the, you know, the benefits of having lasers. You know, like if you're trying to level something, right? You, you know, they have those, those lasers that you can put up on the wall and shoot out when you're hanging pictures. I've never been able to get the things to work right. Does the picture still or not in, in line? You know, I still have to pay someone to come and do that. Hang a picture for me, please. But, uh, you, you know, you have the laser levers. You can use them to even measure. There was, uh, uh, I'm getting some uh, roof work done at, at the house, and uh, the guy came out, and he, and he put this device up on, on the wall and, and turned it on, and it shot to the other end, and it measured it for him. I was like, well, how cool is that, right? I'd, I'd get that messed up too. I still, whenever I cut it, it'll be half an inch off or something. But you, but you have these lasers that now that you can do all these different things with. Um, and you know, now the military has lasers. Did you know that? That they, they have these, these lasers. Like, like Lockheed Martin perfected this, 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 this gun that shoots lasers. And they showed it off a couple of years ago where they could shoot and destroy a truck a mile away. And now you see them that they're putting them on war cruisers, you know, battleships and, and all now. And it's, it's, it's the new thing. It's the new age. Now, you know, this, this ain't going to shoot anybody, right? But, you know, I can point you out when you fall asleep and say, hey, look at that guy over there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so now, you know, they can concentrate it and get all the, you know, put all these atoms and all into this beam and, and blow things up and stuff now. So the, the laser... How can we put a spiritual perspective on a laser? That's what I'm going to hopefully do for us this morning because it, it can symbolize something for us about the church having a laser focus, something that when we're over here doing and playing with something and then we say, oh, wait a second, that's what we're supposed to be doing. 
That's where we're supposed to be. And that, and that laser shows up saying, that right there, that's what we're called to do. And then after a while, you know, the laser gets turned off and then we, we get busy doing something else, maybe something that we're not really anointed to be doing, but that we do it anyway because it's fun to do and why not do it? And then the Lord points the laser at something. Oh yeah, that's what our attention is supposed to be on. Let's go get over here and let's, and let's get back to our priority, our focus. The very thing that, that, that we are supposed to have our attention on, a concerted goal, a, a focus, a, a vision, a clear objective. Just, just imagine, you know, we, we, we know that we are the church and we know some of the things that, that uh, the church, well, I guess you could say is supposed to do. Although I think some of the things that are on the list, if we, if we really got down to it on what is the church supposed to do, it's kind of like, well, you know, it, yeah, but really, is that what we're supposed to do? What would it be like to have that concerted, concentrated point that we were all united and all of our attention was on saying, yes, this is what we are supposed to be about. This is what our focus is to be on. So today, as we continue our sermon series on the power of one, we, we've gone over different ways of a power of one what each week. And today it's on the power of one singular vision. A vision, a, a purpose that unites, empowers, and gives clear focus to what we are to be about. Now we're in a season of discovering, I, I like to, as I like to put it, a season of discovering as a church. Because we, this year, we're in that process of, of seeking out what is going to be our focus, our primary focus going for, forward as a church. And, and we've been having discussions, you know, coming out of lockdown from last year, you know, the previous year, the difficulties that this church found itself in in the previous years before that, and now the transition of new staff and, 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 and things. And what is it? What is it that God wants us to focus on going forward as First Baptist Church? How have you shaped us, Lord? And how, and how are you preparing us to be more effective with the gospel than ever before in this church's history. Now, that, that's, that's what I'm doing. I don't know if you're doing it, but I'm doing that. And we've had a couple of vision talks on ministry team meeting nights where I've been kind of you know, outlying a, a, a direction in, in terms of how this discussion is going to work out. We began this back in January. My intention is to, is to sort of have this wrapped up by September or October. So here we are at the ending of, of May. Can you believe that? Near the ending of May, five months almost in the, well, whatever way you want to fill, fill in the blank there. Five months already gone out of the year. And we're that much closer to what, where, where, what my goal is, is for us to be able to lay out what is going to be our primary laser focus as a church going forward. I'm an oddball. I like to think outside the box, or as I heard recently, just go ahead and just destroy the box, burn the box down, and let there not be a box. I don't like being put in a shell, although there are times whenever I find safety, I find comfort in a shell, but the church is not to be bound by any sort of shell because the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you, what you've been doing, 
It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction upon you, it's going to do whatever necessary to bring that conviction upon you. It will bring you down to your lowest low. It will take away and strip away every ounce of pride in your life. And you might think you know what it means to be humble, but wait until the Holy Spirit takes hold of your life and you'll truly understand and recognize what humility looks like. And yet, when we consider the ministries and the makeup and, the, and, the, and what, who we are as a church, that's when, well, there, there needs to be order. There needs to be systems. There needs to be a formality. There needs to be a A, B, and C approach to things. And there are times when I believe that that is necessary. But when it comes to ministry, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to our focus and our purpose, let nothing hinder, let there be no barrier that stops us from loving and being the tangible expressions of the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to a community whose mind is so warped when it comes to what we do here and why we're here, that they need to see. They need to see the church. They need, well, no, they need to see Jesus in the church. So we've been having these vision talks. I've met with some of you personally. Of course, I've had committee meetings and ministry team meetings and such like that where I've had conversations and all with you. But today is not the day to present a final draft, but I think it is necessary when we talk about the power of a vision that I give you an update as to where we are in this process. And that's what today is about. So this message is in conjunction with the previous four in the series and that was for a purpose. If you've been part of this sermon series over these four sessions, I believe today's the fifth one, if my math is correct, um, over these five sessions, that all of this is meant to, to recognize how powerful it is when you recognize your place in the kingdom of God and what he has called you to be. When it comes to your relationships to those in your oikos, when it comes to your prayer ministry, when it comes to your responsibilities as parents and grandparents, as we, as we had that discussion on Mother's Day, and then last week, the power of the invitation. Today, what power is there behind having a singular primary vision? What's the power behind that? And that's what I want us to discuss. Now, anybody here own any of them nasty Apple products? Let me hear you. You know, if you if you got an iPad or an iPhone, hold it up. Hold it, hold it up if you have one of those, right? Now, I don't know if you knew this, but about 20 years, 25 years ago, Apple was going Apple was going downhill fast. And 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 they were not the monster. <laughs> they were not the giant that they are today. And so here here's what happened is that Steve Jobs took a trip to New York City to go see John Shelley, who was working for PepsiCo at the time. And so here is Steve Jobs, and he's standing in this high-rise office, you know, talking to uh, this, this representative of, of, of Pepsi, and he offers him a job to come out to California and to take over the, or to be his, basically his, 
his number two at, at Apple. And, and this is what Shelley said. He said, sure, give me a million dollars up front and, give me a million, and promise a million dollars severance and I'll be there. And here's how Steve Jobs responded. Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want to change the world? So what Steve Jobs did in that moment is that he explained his vision for his company in his recruitment of this new uh, employee. Do you want to change the world? Steve Jobs looked at everything that he did at Apple as being, this is going to change the world. And now here we are, and wouldn't you say the world has kind of changed? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's, it, it's been a wild ride, hasn't it? So he, he showed, he cast a vision, he laid out the vision. It was in very, very simple terms. Do you want to keep doing things the way that you've been doing them? Or do you want to change the world? Now that's what vision does. Having a vision, that gives you something that goes, oh, yeah, that sounds good. It gives purpose in life. It is a driving force. It is, it is keeping something out there that that is what we are trying to attain. Now, how does a church have a vision? What, what, is it, what does it look like for a, a church to, to be vision-minded? Well, Scripture tells us what that vision is. And my very first point this morning is this. Our vision, the very thing that we're going to have or should have pinpoint accuracy and focus on is reaching people for Jesus Christ. Foundationally speaking, everything that we're about is to see people come and give their lives to Jesus Christ. Anything else... Fill in the blank. I'm, what, what, what do I say to that? Anything else is what? Secondary? Our main emphasis, our main focus, our main driving force is to win others to Christ. Can you get any more basic than that? Changing the world one soul at a time. Wow, that, that takes me back a little bit, right? What can be more foundational for us than asking the question, if we give our time, if we give our focus, if we expend our resources, our time, our talent, our people to that, how does that match up to the vision that God has given the church? And I'm talking generally speaking from every church foundationally, that's why we exist. Is to see people won over to Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 23, we get to see Paul's mission, his vision statement, what drove him. And this is how it reads. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not uh, uh, free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. In sharing his heart here, Paul's given the church an example and a challenge. A challenge to do all we can in as many ways that we can in order to see or lead as many as we can to what? To give their lives to Christ. How did he say he, he sought to fulfill that vision through, through himself? He said, I became like a Jew to win the Jew. To those under the law, I became like one under the law to win those under the law. To those not under the law, I became like one not under the law so as to win some of them. And to the weak, I became weak. He stripped himself of everything that he had built himself towards, which he talks about in another, to another church. He strips all of that away in order to win souls for Jesus Christ. And when we're not talking about who are we winning to Jesus Christ, church, then, then we aren't paying attention to the laser focus, concentrated beam, the spot that God has laid out for us in his word that is our most fundamental basic reason for existing, to make Jesus Christ known. How do we as a church line up with this challenge? And this is a hard question because we need to ask this of ourselves in every area, in every ministry, including being able to answer how does this support our fundamental reason for existing to lead someone to Christ? And if, and if, it's, if it's not, if we are expending resources expending energy, if we're focused on things that are not of that most fundamental, then we need to question whether or not it is worth the re our resources to continue in those programs and those ministries. And that is a hard question to ask. But that's what we're asking, and that's what I'm encouraging you to be asking. And especially during these next few months, from this point to that September or October date, that I have on my mind's calendar for us to come to a final understanding as to why First Baptist Church exists. This is fundamental. Uh, so let's look at what that should look like uh, a, couple of, a couple of ways. So I'm reminded of the old children's song, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. So here we are, fundamentally, for 2021, this is what this needs to look like. 
because in some churches today, there seems to be little to no concern in this area. And just to basically to put it frankly, the church more than ever today needs to be colorblind. We need to be colorblind. And I, I just got to say to you here at first that I am so thankful to be here when it comes especially to this. Because I have pastored churches before that were not And I saw the hand of God off those churches. I saw the struggle that was taking place in those churches because who they would refuse to, which neighborhoods they would refuse to go to. I saw it and it broke my heart because I understand this principle. And and Paul lays it out for us here in this passage. And we have to recognize this. This principle, this quality that the Lord does not care about color. He does not care about race. He does not care about ethnicity. He doesn't care about what part of this globe that you're from. He only cares about your soul. And the church in the environment that we have been thrown into here and now in this age, we have to... We have to discover for ourselves how can we get our community to recognize and to know we don't see color. We only see you. Secondly, where's the passion? Where's the broken heart? This has to be foundational for us to have a vision to win people to Christ. We have to recognize, just as Paul did here, I'm going to strip me of me in order to reach whoever I'm able. And we have that whole list. I've already been through it twice now of everything that he stripped himself of or what thing, what positions he put himself in. And one of those he said to those under the law, I became like one under the law, although I'm not really under any law in order to reach some of them for Christ. It's a great sentence. I love it. It's a wonderful sentence. And we get to look right into the heart of Paul. Let me ask you, what are we becoming in order to reach those in the Mableton community in the Cobb County area for Christ? You see, he said, I put myself under a law in order to reach those under the law. Although I understand there's not really a law there. So let me, let me tell you how I have been praying and envisioning this, could look, this, this may look like here at first. I have been praying for someone in this church to have a heart and a passion to take on some sort of ministry to reach those in our Mexican Latino community. For instance, who would be willing to go through a, a Spanish course, learning Spanish, being able to, to maybe add on to what they, what they learned or had to take in, in high school or in college to, to kind of like just put the icing on the cake there to, to send you over the edge to where you would be interested in leading a Bible study group on Wednesday nights, especially since we are reaching children through Awana 
and to have a place for their parents to be able to, to go and be led in Scripture as well. See where I'm taking the principle from Paul here and saying, I, I put myself in position so that I might be able to reach. How are we putting ourselves in position to be able to, to reach those that speak a different language primarily? Or who would be interested in, in heading up and leading an ESL class here at the church in order to, to reach that portion of our demographic? I've gotten a demographic study recently, and here's another issue. One in five people in the five-mile radius of this church suffer from opioid addiction. So I wonder what type of connection we might be able to have with our community if someone here had a passion whose heart was broken, who had been there themselves at one time, and recognized that God could use them to lead a a support group to that extreme. The missions team is already in discussion regarding starting a ministry for single pregnant mothers through our church. We've looked into a particular program, and that program has stated that no church in Cobb County has their program at their church, that the closest one is in Douglasville. And so we're looking into that because I think that we ought to have a burden and a passion for young women who have been placed in such a, pl- in, in such a, a predicament in their life. How might we? And here's, here's what uh, 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 statistics from 2019. In the state of Georgia, there were 30,000 abortions, half of which takes place within four counties in Georgia. Cobb County is one of those four counties where half of the abortions in Georgia took place in 2019. To the weak, I became weak. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. And to those without any sort of law, I became like one without any sort of law in order to win some of them too. We can't go where certain people are Unless we have a heart and a passion for them. Do we? Does anyone here does? And if you have a passion for one of those I've mentioned, see Miss Janet Vineyard. Come and talk to me. Give us a call. Let's talk about this. Because I believe when we recognize the state of our community, or we recognize how our church has been closed off from our community... As I said last week, we can't wait for them to wake up one morning and say, I need to be at church today. No, we need to go to them. We need to reach out to them. And we can't do that if we don't have a passion and a burden. For some churches, they're so far removed from their community that they have absolutely no connection with them whatsoever. I don't want to pastor a church that way. And I don't want us... To have gotten into such a practice and such a routine and such a habit that we're over here doing all these things while the laser is pointing over here saying, this is where I need you. Right here, right now. But we're too busy with other lesser things. Secondly, we need a vision 
that looks to the future. Habakkuk 2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. So whenever I think of the word vision, I think of the destination. I think of a picture of what I want things to look like going forward. Where I want to go, where, what I want things to, to, to seemingly become two years, three years, five years from now. So, what do I want to see? I want to see the halls in our preschool filled again. Who's with me? I want to see those classrooms filled again. I want to see Awana back to the 80s and 90s in attendance that they had here, what, four years ago, three years ago. I want to see that. I want to see church members exhausted at the ending of Wednesday nights because there were too many kids here. I want to hear people complain that we had too many children. What are we supposed to do with all these kids? Do we have a passion and a burden for that? And if we do, then what are we doing to see that vision come to its fruition? So another announcement that I have for you this morning is that uh, we are going to be presenting to you in the July members meeting. That's our next scheduled members meeting. An exploratory committee that's, going to be, that's made up of five people. Um, these five people's um, focus, what we're charging them to do, the elders and I are charging them to do, is to look at the viability of what it will take to reopen our day education program. Now, we have those five names in place. We've been, you know, we're, we're working behind the scenes, getting those five names in place. Not ready to present those to you today. We're going to do so at the July meeting. But I think it's important for us to have the discussion. And the best way to have the discussion is to find out what the viability is. So let's appoint a committee. Let's start, let's get them talking to other churches and their preschools and their day education programs and finding out what they're doing to, to deal with you know, all the freebies that the government is giving today. And what would it look like for us here at first to do that? So that's, that's the first steps. Let's gather the information. Let's figure out what it's going to take to be able to, to make this happen. And, and, and I think it's important to let you know, that's why we're having this day today, where we're having this discussion so that you know that we're not just twiddling our thumbs in the office. That we are in prayer, that we are in discussion, that we're, we're, but we're dreaming, and the dream needs to be given. And that's what we, we've been praying for for the last six, seven months that I've been here. God, give us that dream. I believe he's giving it to us. And in, and in, in one of the most passion-filled areas in this church, as I've been doing my surveys, is in the area of young families. And if we're going to reach young families, then we need to reach out to those young families. And we need to provide something for those young families so that they will make their way to First Baptist. It doesn't make any sense to me when there's an elementary school right here for a parent to drive past us and to drop their child off there and then take the younger child over to a daycare somewhere. We're right here. We're in a great location. So let's talk about what it would look like for us to revisit that. 
or even an after-school program for parents who can't get back to their kids in time. What would that look like? At my last church, we had an after-school program. It's called Good News Club. And we, we went to the elementary school, and we had them from, from the time that class, the school was over till 4.30 in the afternoon. And it gave us opportunities to play games with them, to, to do crafts with them, to do a Bible story with them, to, to get invested in their lives. What's the viability there? What does it look like for us? Is this something that God is giving us a burden and a passion for? See, that's what a vision does. It gives us something to dream about. What, this is what we would love to see happen. What are some of the things we could do to see that come about? And that's where the discussion is leading, uh, where it is leading us. And so today, I want to encourage you, church, in five areas. As we are in this process, I've been getting surveys out to some of you. I forgot to make some more copies. I went around to some Sunday school classes last week and, and gave you some, uh, a survey. And I know not everyone here has had the opportunity to take that. And I forgot to do that going into today. That's my one mistake for the day. Everything else will be perfect, I promise you. But we need to have something, something that drives us. And that is this. We need to have a commitment to the vision. Vision requires commitment. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Well, what is our plan? Do we have a plan? Is it just to, to keep the status quo? Is it just to keep things going and hoping people will buy into it? Or do we have a dream, something that we're working towards? Commit your work to it. So I'm asking you to do these five things. Number one, Renew your commitment to prayer. We can only do tomorrow what we pray about today. And if you're not praying about it, start praying about it. Will you renew your commitment to pray for our eyes and ears to be open to what the Lord is doing around us in our community, that we might see it? That will we pray for barriers to be removed? Will we pray for passion to fill us unlike ever before? Secondly, renew your commitment to outreach. According to that same demographic study, no, this was a second demographic study. One was of five miles. Now let's talk about two and a half miles extended out from this church, two and a half miles. There are 38,000 people that live within two and a half miles of this church. Did you hear that? In the county that I came from, it was 18,000 people in all the county. <laughs> we have 38,000 people within two and a half miles. So I've challenged you to get out into your community and pray over the homes in your neighborhood. We got out yesterday, and I can, I can tell you, and I don't mind saying proudly tell you, that every home in the uh, neighborhood from... From South Floyd, is that right? South Floyd or Old Floyd? Old Floyd over to Brookwood, to, from Clay Street over to the railroad tracks. Every home has been prayed over in the immediate neighborhood. And thank you for those who have been here Monday and Saturday this week to help us make that happen. Sure, thank you. Because it's foundational, and you're going to hear me bring this up time and time again. 
the necessity of prayer and us praying over the homes and, and praying over the homes and putting this card on there to let them know that we prayed over them. If there's anything specific that they need prayer regarding to make contact with us and we will pray with them, pray for them. It's, it's, it's a point of contact for us. But let me tell you, there's 38,000 people within two and a half miles of this church. How many of you live within that two and a half mile radius? Just consider that. Or if, even if you live outside of it, it's okay. Because if you drive 30 minutes to get here, pray over your neighborhood, they might drive 30 minutes to get here too. Pray. Go into your neighborhood. Strike up conversations with your neighbors. Invite I'm not going to preach last week's message again, but let me tell you, Wednesday night we had 12 new Awana students and, and youth students Wednesday night because some of our families and some of our kids went out and they invited people after last Sunday's message and they were here Wednesday night. 12 new ones. The invite works, adults. It works. Make the phone call. Have the conversation. Strip yourself of yourself to the weak I became weak. Take away that humility. Pray about it. Pray for that spirit of fierceness and power that Paul says that he gave us, not a spirit of fear and timidity. And have that laser focus. Because to tell you the truth, this side of knowing Christ, it's not just the church's vision foundational to win others for Christ. It ought to be yours as well. VBS is in a couple of weeks. Let me ask you, who's been handing these out? We need to have a commitment to this. If we, it's been two years in the making. Let's make this Vacation Bible School the best we've experienced in years. And the number one way we can make that happen is when you invite your neighbor's family and their kids to VBS. I made a bunch of new flyers this morning off the printer and put them on the kiosk for you to grab as you leave. Talk to somebody. Invite somebody. Tell them about Vacation Bible School. It requires that sort of commitment where we might, norm, well, we might be asked to do what we wouldn't normally do. And that is to get out of our comfort zone. Remember, we're going to destroy the box. There's no more box. There's no more couch. No, no more of that. It's time. The next, number three, renew your commitment to service. There's an old adage that 20% of any given church does 100% of the work. I don't know. I haven't really been able to see if that is true here. But... There are some here that are doing two, three, five jobs when they're, you ask yourself, how many have you taken on to help, to, to support, to secure, to firm up the ministry that is taking place here at the church? From preschool children, youth, to administration, to feet on the ground, to hands to the plow kind of ministries, there's a place for you to serve and we need your help there's a difference between dreaming dreams and sleeping at the will. Which one are you? So see Pastor Mike, see Miss Becky, see Brother Dean, see myself, see one of the elders and ask, how can I help make this 
successful. Number four, renew your commitment to tithing and giving. And this is where I need to be blunt with you, friends. We are not meeting our 2021 budget by a long shot. And I know that one of the things that the finance team did going and preparing for 2021 is that they skimmed everything as much as anything could be skimmed. You can see on the back of your first connection card that we have been putting in there, the numbers that we are taking each week and then what it looks like for the year. And, we, and I have to ask you as your pastor, don't, don't force us to make hard decisions. If you're not participating in the tithing or the giving ministry of the church, that is a responsibility that you have to own. As a member of this church, you're charged to support this church and its vision. Now, I can understand and I can recognize that, that you know, we're going to buy the things or we're going to give to the things or we're going to invest in the things that we see matter. Do you see that what we're trying to do here at first matters? We've tried to make it easy. We have the envelopes back in the pews to make it even more easier. We have the text to give a phone number to make it easier. We do digital. You can go online and make it happen. You can set up recurring. I, I do that myself. Or if you prefer to be able to write the check and put it in an envelope and place it in the basket when you come in, that's fine too. We, we, we try to make it as easy and simple for everyone to be able to do it. We would love for those who have been given the gift to spiritually give, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 12, to take on that spiritual gift and exercise that sucker. Yes. And I would like for everyone to recognize the importance of being consistent with your tithe. Deuteronomy 14.22 tells us what that should look like. But overall, to do it cheerfully, as 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us. Cheerfully, knowing that what you are investing in, that we're going to take and use responsibly. And I know that as I am you know, trying to learn and get, gain your trust as your new pastor, I promise you we would do so responsibly but as of right now we're working and our budget is is designed to be the bare minimum as we're trying to reach back out into our community once again no we don't have the 350 in attendance numbers that we had three years ago yes we're more like a hundred right now and we have to be responsible as administrators as we look at our budget is to see what is it that we are capable of doing but let me encourage you that if you have not been consistent with your tithe to commit yourself to that going forward Ultimately, none of these will matter if number five doesn't take place. And that is a commitment to the Lord and his church. To the Apostle Paul, these are one and the same. You could not separate a commitment with Christ from a commitment with the church. All of his writings were about, well, just take Ephesians 5. 
What did Jesus die for? He says he died for the church. To do what? To make her beautiful and holy. There was, they're both one and the same. And here's what Charles Spurgeon, noted uh, preacher from back in the uh, 1900s says, 1800-1900s said, If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I would have spoiled it. For it would not have been a perfect church after I became a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Let me encourage you to renew your commitment to this church this morning. Take on these challenges. See where the Lord would have, give you, have given you a laser focus of attention here at first. Let's pray for that laser focus and unifying vision as we're working to see that take place. And let us heed what Isaiah 43, 19 says. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not see it? Let's open our eyes and start seeing what God is doing here. And then let's join him in that work. Pray with me. Father, we love and we thank you for this place. I thank you for those who have sacrificed, who have given themselves to see this church succeed in all its ways. And we recognize, Lord, that our work is never done our primary focus, our primary effort to make Jesus known in as many ways as possible, in as many ways as we can, so that those in our community that have totally shut themselves off from you, that we might find a way under or over or around that fence that they've built up. Lord, give us a holy passion give us a heart that is broken for the severity of the lostness of those just within a two mile parameter of this place lord take away the color from our eyes take away anything that has gotten in the way take away lord whatever laziness that might have crept in <clears throat> and put my eyes where that laser is pointing. And now, Lord, I commit to you. And I ask, Lord, I ask, church, that this is your prayer. Now, Lord, we commit to you that where you place that pointer we will pounce in jesus name amen the altar is open i will be down front you come and give to the lord say to the lord speak to the lord whatever burden he has placed on you if someone has led you into a saving knowledge of jesus christ during the course of this past week we, I will be down front. Let's, let's just come together and celebrate in that truth together because that's why we exist, as I've been saying all hour long.
And if the Lord has placed upon you that, you know, this is the church I want to serve in. I'll be down front to receive you for that as well. Let's stand together.